Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder! Woo! I'm Scar. And I'm not Dustin. <laughs> we keep switching. Uh, Alex keeps having health issues. <laughs> yeah, I had to get my teeth pulled. <laughs> Which is not fun. Um, and we were just talking, it just popped into my mind that that one time you took me to the doctor. And oh, then, yeah. <laughs> shit. And then we went to go leave, and you looked at me and you said, I don't feel all that great. And then you just passed the fuck out. I remember that. <laughs> you just straight up passed out. And then that was after I was in that car wreck. So, like, I couldn't even help you. No, you couldn't even bend over. You couldn't do shit. <laughs> Not that I could if I hadn't just been in a yeah, car wreck. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I had to go get the nurse. She gave you some crackers. And she was like, here you go. You probably have low blood sugar or something. And I was like, oh, thanks, lady. You passed out. Oh man! Uh, and then we went. Funny. And then we went and got Mexican food. We did mm-hmm. margaritas. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have margaritas. Yeah, you were like, maybe that's not the best idea. Yeah, <laughs> since I just passed out. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Oh, I have to tell you about a dream I had last night. Is it another weird one? Well, it was weird, and it was so real. So my mother was in it, mm-hmm. and she's in a lot of my dreams. Yeah, but you know who else was in it? Was Talia. Oh, that's and we weird. Were like BFFs. That's fucking cool. It was so real. And I remember, and I often have dreams where I'm still in high school mm-hmm. and where I'm like living at the high school and yeah. I can't really leave. And so my mom came to visit and she was like, oh yeah, Talia and I, we're just going to go shopping and like go get some margaritas. Literally yeah. that. And I was like, I want to go. She's like, no, you can't go. You have school. And I was like, okay. And like, they left and like went shopping and went out to lunch. And Weird. I know. So like, maybe in another universe, your besties. that's what they're doing. <laughs> Our, your mom and Talia are just chilling. I know. Having margaritas. It was so real. I woke up and I was like. There's no way I'm forgetting this dream. No, absolutely not. So it was very strange. And I've never met her. I've just seen photos of her. Yeah. But it was her and my mother called her by name. That's fucking cool. I know. That's wild. The subconscious is so fucking cool. Yeah. I'm really, I was talking to Kylie about this whenever she was here. I was like, I'm really mad that we have no idea what dreams are. No. Like we really... At least I can't find a satisfying answer on what dreams yeah, are. Yeah, I'm sure someone has some made-up answer for it, but there's not really any way to prove it yeah. that I know of, so. Uh, but it's fascinating. But I've always been, like, a very vivid dreamer. I remember whenever I was a child, I would have these dreams where I would, like, grab something, mm-hmm. and I'd wake up, and I would think I was still holding it, and then I would look at my hands, and I'm like, it's gone now. It's not so gone. I know. Where did she go? I know, but they've always been very vivid. But anyways, what you been up to? Um, Anything new, exciting, fun? Well, I got all four of my <laughs> wisdom teeth pulled. <laughs> all four. All four. And then one was like crunched in there, right? One was like super impacted. She was sideways coming in. Oh, no. Um, she was like pushing up against my cheek and my tooth at the same time. No. So they had to like break it, and mm-hmm. then like pack the hole full of dental wax and there's still like a little like 
indent from where the tooth was there. I don't like that. It's it was oh, it's so bad. I and don't then, like teeth things. And then the dentist was like, "Your mouth's really small, so we're gonna have to like yank this thing open. So your your jaw is gonna be real sore because oh, your mouth is so small." No. I was like, "Oh, fucking cool." <laughs> Thanks. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah, the stitches are still in there. They haven't like fully dissolved yet. And my holes are almost closed. Ugh. I can almost like, I remember that weird taste mm-hmm. that it gives you. Yes. And it's like, uh, no, I don't. Mm-mm. No, thank you. Yeah. And then um, apparently like I was ready to party <laughs> after I woke up from the anesthesia or whatever the fuck it was. Because <laughs> like, let's fucking go. <laughs> The nurse lady was like, had told Kayla that she had to argue with me about getting in the wheelchair and like going. And I woke up pissed because I thought that Kayla would be waking me up because she's the one that dropped me off and was like waiting in the waiting room for me. I was like, where's my girlfriend? (laughs) They're like, she's getting in the car. And I was like, well, I thought she was going to wake me up. They're like, no, No. (laughs) she's getting in the car though. And then they're like, if you get in the wheelchair, we'll take you to go see her. And I was like, I don't want to get in the wheelchair. I was like, I, I can walk. And they're like, no, it's. It's policy. You got to get in the wheelchair. So she, <laughs> they got me in the wheelchair and then she, I'm like halfway down the sidewalk to the car and I just get up and walk and finish the way. <laughs> and Kayla's like, Jesus fucking Christ. And then the t- <laughs> once I got in the car, the tech asked Kayla, she's like, is she always like this uh, after anesthesia? And Kayla's like, we don't know. She's never had it before. <laughs> Uh, apparently it turns her into superwoman and i was like fuck that she's like well is she like this when she's drunk and kayla's like yeah yeah that's pretty accurate that checks out oh my goodness um it was also my birthday it was your birthday i am now 32 years young you're an old lady oh i'm so old i can't and I'm so mad that I left your birthday present at my house. Oh, it's okay. It can be a birthday slash Christmas present. Aww. Unless you have a separate Christmas present. Not yet. <laughs> mm. uh, no, Real fine. nice, though. Um, let's see. What else did I have to tell you? Oh, this was supposed to be your birthday episode. Yes. But then my teeth had to get yanked out. <laughs> on Almost on my birthday. Almost on your birthday. Yeah. Um, so we, we saved it for now. But I'm it's so real, excited. It's so fun. And honestly, you told me the the premise. Mm-hmm. I vaguely know this one. I have heard of it, but I just thought it, I thought it was a movie. Oh. Yeah. I was like, I, that's fucking fake. There ain't no fucking way that that's real. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it is. That real. is real. Ah. Okay. Cool. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. So I'm we're, excited. We're talking about two of your favorite things today: <laughs> murder. Yeah. And drag queens. Yeah. <laughs> This is the story of Dory and Corey. Oh, Dory and Corey. Dory and Corey. Isn't that fun? Yeah. This is about a drag queen and a mummy. Oh, God. (laughs) So, uh, our girl, Dory and Corey, was given the name Frederick Legg on June 6th, 1937. Legg? Legg with two G's. L-E-G-G. L-E-G-G. Dorian was assigned male anatomy at birth. But later realized she was actually female, so for the rest of the episode, we're just going to use she, her pronouns. Okay. And be respectful of her chosen name, Dorian Corey. Love it. So, Dorian's parents were Franklin Legg and Mary Fox Clark. Wow. We've got some wild names happening right off the bat. Hold on to your seat. (laughs) Okay. She was born out of wedlock. Oh, no. In the 1930s. Oh, How dare they? The 30s? Yeah, 1937. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. 
as a child, Dorian lived on a farm in Buffalo, New York. Not really where you want to be as a drag queen. And uh, she actually started performing drag while still living in Buffalo, but eventually moved away to the city to study art and design at Parsons School of Design in New York City. That's where you gotta go. Mm-hmm. Gonna make it big, you gotta go to New York City. Yep. They all know that. Mm-hmm. You either go to LA or you go to New York City. But if it's fashion and design, you go to New York City. Yeah. She actually started as a window dresser at Hengers. She was super talented as a designer and creator and was one of the most sought out after seamstresses in the ball scene. Oh, that's fun. Specifically, the drag ball scene. Ah, I love those episodes of Drag Queen. <laughs> Not Drag Queen. Drag Race. The <laughs> balls. So, the balls. <laughs> They're so fucking good. There's a new season coming out. I know. I mm-hmm. can't wait. I told Dustin, I said, we've been watching football for like a million years. And now it's, it's my time. <laughs> drag Queen season. It's my time. <laughs> it start come January. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's funny that she's a window dresser. We just watched the episodes of, of uh, Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. where he's a mannequin, oh. and he makes all the scenes, and then they go steal his girlfriend mannequin, mm-hmm. and she's like in a sex shop. Yes. It's a whole thing. That's one of my favorites. It's the Christmas episode, so that's fitting. This is, this is very fitting. Yeah. She actually toured with a drag group in the Pearl Box Review through the 1960s and actually performed with a live boa constrictor. Oh. Ooh. Fuck that, but good for you. <laughs> that's scary. She would actually mentor younger drag queens and actually won over 50 awards at these like different events and like ball scenes and stuff. Good for her. She was like a staple part of the drag community. Yeah. Dorian's most famously known for her feature in uh, the movies Wigstock and Paris is Burning, which if you don't know, Wigstock was a drag festival held in the East Village of Manhattan between 84 and 2005. Oh, mm-hmm. that's fun. I've never heard yeah. of that. And then Paris is Burning. Have you seen it? I haven't. If, if you, oh, you I know it's referenced all the time, yeah. but I don't know what it is. You would fucking love this shit. Basically, it goes into like the, it's a documentary about uh, like the drag scene in like New York City, yeah. but specifically like Hispanics, Blacks, all of, all of them, yeah. uh, and like their struggles, how they basically use the drag community as like their family that accepts them because their families don't accept them, yeah. and you know how like you know, society doesn't fully understand them, yeah. but the drag scene does. Your chosen family, yes, which I love. Yep. One of my main reasons why I love drag. We love. We love oh, the gays, drag. and we love drag. I love it so much. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Lady Bunny actually revived the festival after it had a 12-year gap in New York City. Oh. Yeah, so they're like, Wigstock ended? Let's bring her back. back. Yep. Paris is Burning was a 1990 documentary on the ball culture of New York City that followed American, Latino, and gay, and transgender communities, and with that, the drag. Yeah. It's a really great film. It has interviews in between, like, the scenes that dive into the struggles that the people had, like, the specific people had while trying to be themselves. Hmm. I didn't cool. know that was a documentary. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was filmed in the 80s, but released in the 90s. Yep. I'm going to have to watch that. It covers every issue you can think of between transphobia, homophobia, racism, class discrimination, AIDS, sex work, and just so fucking much. Yeah. And I know it's not everyone's jam, but like the reason why I love drag so much is because I love someone doing something that they love and doing it really well. Yeah. Voguing, Scarlet's favorite thing, Vogue, 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 <laughs> was created from these drag ball scenes. Ah, oh, that's fun. Uh, Madonna was actually inspired to write her song Vogue after seeing a drag show. 
Ah. Uh, shade and uh, realness mm-hmm. got introduced to the mainstream gay culture from ball culture too. Shade. Shade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much throwing shade. And like shit, like saying like yas queen. That's yeah. that comes from ball culture. Oh, this is so fun! I'm mm-hmm. learning so much. Uh, the ball scene started in the 1960s and was first mainly for queer people of color to like have a safe place to express themselves. And it's still like that a lot today. But drag is just not like huge for the queer community in general. Oh yeah, there are so many drag queens, and they're all so wonderful. <laughs> Uh, there really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would mention my favorites, but we've already covered that. We are going to talk about that at the end. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> they go into a lot of detail of like the preparation that takes place into going into a ball, the costume creation, the themes, the performance, the and the d- themes, and the different houses. Yes, the houses are kind of like a family, and they represent different fashion brands like Chanel, Dior, etc. Doreen Corey was a house mother of House Corey. She had her own house. Yep, House of Corey, babe. <laughs> and many of the houses actually like lived and supported each other together. Yeah, so she's Kate. the mother. She is the mother. Uh, the matriarch. And Doreen Corey in the documentary is like the absolute queen of the film. Like they sent her a lot of the interviews and stuff around her. Wait, she's in Paris is Burning? She's in per- Paris is Burning. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. And she provides so much commentary throughout it. And like, sh- it shows her like at the beginning starting to put on her makeup and like transitions into her like getting ready, like that full process throughout oh, the entire fun. documentary. Love yep. it. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, murder mystery and makeup with Bailey Sarian. Yeah. That's kind of what it reminds me of. Like, you know, she puts on her makeup and then tells you the story. Uh, That's kind of what it's like. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. She also worked as the main stage performer at Sally's Hideaway in New York City. That's fun. It's a fun name. Sally's Hideaway. Yeah. Uh, everyone loved Dorian and said she was the most genuine and kind human, but they knew not to fuck with her because she was a bad bitch. Most drag queens are. Yeah. Um, they will fuck you up if you fuck with them. Yeah. As they should. <laughs> uh, Dorian, it was kind of, she kind of reminds me of, uh, she gives me the same energy as Bob the drag queen. <laughs> I love Bob. <laughs> so fucking good. Uh, and so- it, she, uh, Bob, it's so funny, but like, can get an attitude real yeah, quick. Yeah, oh, sh- <laughs> she'll fuck you up. She will fuck you up. Well deserved. Yeah. So Dorian would kind of act like a mentor to the younger drag queens, and she would take people in if they needed somewhere to stay, or like, she would just literally give you anything that you needed. Uh, she like loaned out a lot of her clothes and supplies too. She was so ingrained in the community and really just wanted to be a supportive human to anyone in the drag scene that was struggling or trying to find their way. As mothers do. Yes, she was a good mother. Yeah. Uh, One of her most popular design costumes was a feather cape that was 30 feet by 40 feet. (laughs) And it also (laughs) acted as a tent and it would cover half of the audience. 30 by 40? 30 by 40. ridiculous i looked up a picture of it and it was it's just fucking wild oh that's fun Mm -hmm. i have to see that yeah that's like twice the size of this room yeah (laughs) and she's wearing it that's so i wonder how heavy it was well it was feathers so it's probably like a lighter material but still heavy because it's so fucking big because it's huge 70 square feet or 700 700 square feet yeah it's the size of an apartment (laughs) Uh, wait no 30 by 40 yeah 30 times 40? Is that right? Is that how you calculate square feet? It is how you calculate square feet. Okay. 1,200 square feet. 1,200. So it literally is the size of an apartment. Yeah. My studio. Oh, yeah. Actually, 
actually my studio was only 800 square feet. Oh, it's bigger than your studio. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's wild. Uh, but yeah. So she was living in a not so great part of Harlem during the filming of Paris is Burning. Gunfire happened during the filming. Jenny Livingston, the director, asked about some gunfire that she heard yeah. like during the filming while they're like got cameras rolling. And uh, Dorian just like shrugged her shoulders casually and said, ah, gunfire at OK Corral. <laughs> kept on, which is like a barish area. Yeah. He's like, yeah. well, it happens. Eh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> uh, she made her last performance on May 8th, 1993 at Sally's. And it was their, like, Grammy night. Oh. And she won Entertainer of the Year. Oh, So cool. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, just a few short months later, she would die from an AIDS complication at Columbia Presbyterian Medical Center in Manhattan at just 56 years old. Wow. That's young. Mm-hmm. That's very young. Yeah. But during that time, like, there wasn't a whole lot of information about AIDS and all that no. stuff. So it happened a lot. Yeah. If you were diagnosed with that... There wasn't much. No, you basically like had a death sentence above your head. Yeah. Uh, after her death, one of her fellow drag performers, Lois Taylor, who was also serving as like kind of a caretaker for Dorian in those like last few weeks before her death, mm -hmm. was left in charge of her estate and distrib distributing that. She had so many costumes and just stuff like that in her apartment from the oh, many yeah. decades of performing. Because she's been doing this shit for decades, her entire life almost. Yeah, the costumes, the wigs, the jewelry. The makeup. The makeup. All the of it. The shoes. Oh, the shoes alone, oh. I'm sure, were an entire bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Lois, she heads over to the apartment to start going through stuff and to figure out what to do with them. Dorian told Lois and some of the other drag performers that she was really close to that they could take whatever costumes they wanted to keep and either sell or donate the rest of them. She's like, do it, it what you will. Yeah. Fucking have it. So Lois actually brought over some potential customers to the apartment to look at the costumes to see if she could sell any of them. Because they wanted to use it for like a Halloween party. Oh, okay. And it was a, it was a group of straights, just to be clear. <laughs> damn straight the goddamn straights are breaking into the fucking drag queen's apartment and stealing her costumes <laughs> so lois gets up to the apartment with the straights and they go into her walk-in closet Stop. <laughs> the normies the normies <laughs> the scarlets and they go into her walk-in closet because that's where she stored most of her costumes oh yeah so in the closet oh god i'm flashbacks in the closet. In the closet. We're gonna have to move back into the closet at some point. Yeah. Well, we're trying to soundproof the game room. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how to do that. But we're working on That's it. That's what Dustin's for. The audio quality will be better eventually. One day. One we day. promise. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, in the closet, there was a really large green garment bag, like folded over on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Are you scared? <laughs> yeah. Lois sees it and like tries to lift it up a little and notices like how heavy it is and she's like oh fuck yeah there's something probably really cool in there because Dorian had a bunch of cool costumes and shit but a lot of them were heavy because she designed them herself and they would have like oh yeah the rhinestones alone would yeah. weigh like a hundred pounds yeah and Lois is tiny like she's probably like 110 pounds so she's like I'm not lifting that up yeah. whatever so one of her famous ones that was like really fucking heavy was a marie antoinette costume and it had a whole ass guillotine sewed into it I, oh. people have done that on drag race yeah that that's what oh, she yeah that, she started that yes oh so that's it wasn't really fun. A, yeah so that's like, not an original idea no <laughs> so lois was like oh it's probably something like that or like 
rhinestones. It's some some heavy shit, but it's real it's real cool. Yeah. So we got to get in there. So Lois tells one of the potential buyers, the straights, to open up the garment bag, and they cut it open. And what do they find? And what do they find, Alex? What um, do they find? A body. <laughs> and not just any body. Not just a regular dead body. It's mummified. It's not a regular dead body. It's a cool dead body. Yeah. It's a fucking... <laughs> Ooh, it's a mummy. It's, it's a fucking mummy. <gasps> Dorian. Well, like half mummy, half decomposed. Oh, my. Because it made it very hard for the medical examiner to be like, what the fuck happened to you? How did that not smell? Oh, I'm going to get into that. Okay, please do. So the cops showed up and started getting a little snippy with Lois, because we're in Harlem, and those cops are white, mm-hmm. and Lois is black, mm-hmm. and a drag queen. Yeah. And Their queer. least favorite person on earth. Yes. Um, and they tell her, if they find any of her fingerprints on the bag, she's going to be in deep trouble. And she told them, and this is a direct quote, Honey, I only weigh 135 pounds. If you find my prints, it'll only be on the top of the bag. <laughs> also... It's mummified. It's mummified, and she just came up on it. Yeah. It's not like she magically mummified a body in 10 minutes. <laughs> and, like, we we get it. The person that finds the body is always the first suspect. Yeah. But at this time in Harlem, being a queer black drag queen was not going to get you anywhere. No. Uh, especially from police. Yeah. Suspect number one. So I can imagine Lois was like, uh, no, no, no. Fuck no. I absolutely did not do anything. Yeah. And because- this isn't even my house. Yeah. She's like, they would have pinned the murder on me just to get it over with. Yeah. Uh, the police in this time weren't going to be super friendly and helpful to a black queer person. Um, I mean, they're still not. Well. But it is speculated that the body was here because Dorian was afraid to call the cops and report it. Which, Rightfully so. Yeah. Especially if it was an accident. But also, got a body in you, the closet. You got a body in the closet. What'd you do? In a garment bag. In a garment in bag. closet. Uh, like, even if it was an accident or like self-defense something yeah um and everything you're gonna tell me moving forward i don't know anything all yeah. i know is that there was a body in a garment bag in the, in closet. the closet that's all i've got so the mummy and the drag queen <laughs> the rest is news to me so let's hear it but i think that uh, i'll tell you my theory in a minute okay okay so now we're gonna get into the state of the body that was in the garment bag uh. it was a male and he was in the fetal position with a bullet into the back of his head Oh, partially mummified, partially decomposed, Ugh. and covered in baking soda, plastic bags, and wrapped in nagahife, which is like a rubber-based fake leather. Trying to keep that smell in. Yeah. That nasty, nasty smell in. It's a dead body. <laughs> uh, he was naked except for a pair of boxers, and his skin was yellow and purple. Oh, God. Also inside of the bag with him was an assortment of beer can flip tops, which hadn't been used since the 70s. So at the time, investigators put his time of death anywhere from 15 to 25 years ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. 15 to 25 years ago. I don't don't know that I would use like beer lids as like a... As your deciding factor? Yeah. Maybe um, let's do some... some uh, Because they could have just been in the bag the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what the autopsy has to say. Um, so, eh, whatever. The lead investigators were Alfred Travers and John Rowe. And the forensic specialist assigned to the case was Raul Figueroa. Figueroa, just like Orange is the New Black. And he's a bad bitch. Oh, Raul? Raul is a bad bitch. Okay. So, Figueroa was awesome... And he was very innovative with his forensic science. 
which at the time was 30 years ago. So we were still like really trying to figure shit out and, you know, learn. But he was willing to try new things and was also a mortician as well. Oh, jack of all trades. He was. My man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I say this because what Figueroa does to identify the victim is really cool, but also fucking disgusting. (laughs) So he cut off all the fingers off the John Doe at the second joint. Wait, did he... Did he do a skin glove? Yep, did he put he did. his? Did he put their hand on his hand? Uh-huh. Oh. Uh huh. And he used a secret technique, which he will not reveal. Which I don't agree with. Like you should reveal it so that other people can use it. <laughs> yeah, teach the people. And basically, he hardened the fingers over a seven-day period to get them into a position where he could get the fingerprints off of them. Yes. Because essentially, slippage happened on the body because it was decades old and he had to firm up the fingers to get them stable enough Slippage. to pull the prints off. <laughs> Slippage. Mm-hmm. So gross. That's a foul word. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we just watched an episode of Forensic Files. And they talk about slippage? Yeah, well, yes. And where he was like, yeah, we just, you know, we took their hand off and then we put it on our hand. And I was like, why did you just say that so casually? So casually. <laughs> just normal day at the office. A skin glove. I put a dead person's uh, skin over my skin. That's so gross. Uh, and he actually got all uh, ten fingerprints. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a great technique. Yeah. It works. Share it. <laughs> so nowadays, though, with this kind of stuff, you have to like walk through a courtroom exactly how you got the results the way you did so they know that you're not fabricating evidence, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it has to be like approved by the Department of Justice. And because of the way the body was wrapped airtight in the plastic and the garment bag, it was still releasing liquid, but no air was getting into the bag. So it was just kind of like floating in its own dead body juice. And that's what caused the slippage on the fingers. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> that was a really gross. Are you glad we just ate? <laughs> oh God. The Bowberry biscuits are coming <laughs> back. <laughs> man so uh our dead body was identified as robert warley aka bobby oh bobby and he was a black man at 510 and he weighed approximately 140 pounds and he was born on december 18th 1938 is that today wait no tomorrow uh that'd have okay. been cool <laughs> yeah. uh, and he had an arrest record in 1963 for raping and assaulting a woman that he spent three years in sing sing for Oh, so he wasn't the greatest guy. Yeah, clearly. And, you know, he's a Sagittarist. <laughs> and Dorian's a Gemini. Oh. oh. A weak wolf. Clash of the signs. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Bobby gets out of prison in 1966, and he went to go live with his brother Fred in New York City just until he could get settled. Mm-hmm. He changed his name from Bobby Worley to Bobby Wells and became an alcoholic reinvent yourself yeah he's like you know what i'm tired of being a rapist new last name new me new me i'm, I'm just gonna alcohol. get to drinking yep his brother stated that he was a deadbeat dad because he had a son and that he never saw or financially supported great love that for you buddy and while he was living with fred the brother he started having a little situationship with a woman that lived next door and ended up physically assaulting her seven-year-old son after she refused to get into a relationship with him so he's like trying to pursue this woman and she and attacks and, her seven-year-old son her seven-year-old son yep hmm. uh she threatened to call the police and after three months of living with his brother he dipped out and kind of fell off the face of the planet because that's one of the last times anybody like really heard from him and that was it that was it and now we're here and here we are <laughs> he came wait what year was that 1966 wow mm-hmm. okay 
Uh, he came from a large family of seven kids from North Carolina, and everyone that like investigators had talked to hadn't heard from Bobby Worley since the 1960s, Damn. including his family, who had been estranged from for years. Yeah, like he he knew his brother Fred and talked to him, but like they even had like a barely hanging on relationship. Oh yeah, uh, his family didn't even claim his body so they could bury him. He just went unclaimed and buried in a potter's field by the state. Oh, after he was mm-hmm. found? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So they were not fans no. of this man. No. He was probably a big piece of shit. <sighs> uh, the brother, Fred, that let Bobby stay with him for a little bit, did talk to a reporter from the New York Magazine who did an article about it, which the article was really fucking good, too. And he said that he did know his brother had some sort of relationship with a transgender woman because one night he had called his brother, absolutely shit-faced, Wells called his brother Fred. Mm-hmm. Thinking he had actually called the woman he had a relationship with, and Fred just stayed on the line because he wanted to hear what his brother was doing. He wanted the tea. He's like, what, yeah. are, you, what are you doing, bro? And old Bobby <laughs> called his old lady, Dorian. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Here uh-huh. we go. Yep. <laughs> the same reporter from that magazine asked if he thought it was possible that his brother could have physically assaulted or abused Dorian, and he said absolutely. Oh, man. Because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Authorities asked both Dorian's friends and the forensic specialist Figueroa if they thought the wrapping of the body was intentional, and they all said no. Figueroa was like even quoted as saying, I don't think so. People just wrap a body in whatever's available. Just spontaneous. You wrap it up, then you put it in a suitcase, then you put it in the closet, and then you just look at it periodically and hope it'll go away. Wow. That's what he said. Wow. Uh-huh. And then you just forget about it. You just forget about it. Much like me, yeah. where, you know, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> There's no body in that closet. If it's not in my direct vision. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The things in the closet fell down like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I see it whenever I open the closet. And I'm like, I'm going to fix that. And then I close the closet and I don't fix it. (laughs) And then I'm reminded again the next time I open it and I still don't fix it. Same situation. (laughs) Uh, Body in the closet, bags on the ground. It's the same thing. Uh, so here's, uh, here's the most likely theories that happened. Okay. Because we don't know what actually fucking happened. Yeah, because she, Dorian's Dorian's dead. Yeah. And And there's not enough forensic evidence to say what actually happened. And this was from the 60s. Well, the murder was from the 60s, discovered in the 90s. Wild. (laughs) That's just so insane. So... First theory, which I personally think is the most likely scenario, is that the two were a couple, or at least like seeing each other, mm-hmm. and it's possible that the relationship was abusive in some form based on Worley's past behavior and history of abusing women and children. Yeah, sounds likely. Yep. Dorian felt threatened, and she came at him in self-defense, and she did not want to call the police because she is a black queer woman mm-hmm. and knew she would not get the benefit of the doubt or even listen to, so she chose to hide the body instead. Worley's brother, Fred, told reporters that when Worley had accidentally called him instead of Dorian on the phone, it sounded as though as he was trying to smooth over an argument or disagreement the two had had, and Dorian's doorman said that he knew the two were dating and saw Worley enter Dorian's apartment several times. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he accidentally called his brother, trying to apologize. Yep. Uh, and then the doorman's like, oh yeah, I know that guy. I've seen him go into Dorian's apartment several times. Yeah. Yep. Her friends didn't really know anything about Bobby Worley. But again, he's not ex- not really an upstanding citizen, so he's really not the kind of guy you want to go and brag about to your friends. Yeah. So I get it, why they didn't know. 
Yeah. Uh, Lois Taylor, the friend of Dorian's who entered the apartment with the uh, straight buyers, mm-hmm. said that she had found his <laughs> straight buyers. <laughs> That's going to be the hashtag. Straight buyers. Straight buyers. <laughs> the straights. Uh, she had found a yellowing piece of old paper that had a sort of like story on it about revenge and a sex change. Oh. Uh. Could it possibly be that Dorian didn't want to have a full sex change and it angered Bobby? Uh, or because he couldn't, I mean, he was straight. Yeah. Clear, duh. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe he thought she was fully transitioned and, and it, didn't know. And it angered him when she, when he found out that she wasn't. Oh. Uh, also important note here that Dorian did own a twenty-two caliber gun that she used for home protection and self-defense. And that was the type of bullet that was in yep. his skull. Second theory, which is as strong as a wet paper towel at best. <laughs> strong <laughs> as a wet paper towel. <laughs> that was a good one. Is that uh, Worley was a burglar and he was shot while in the process of breaking into Dorian's home. Okay. Where she lived and because uh, was, it was a hot spot for burglaries and yeah. break-ins because she's in Harlem. Yeah. Several sources state that there was a note pinned to the body in the bag in Dorian's handwriting that says, quote, this poor man was trying to break into my home and rob me. I don't buy that either, because I don't think anyone breaking into Dorian's home would be considered to be a poor man by her standards, since she was like, don't fuck with me. Yeah, but it also could have been like, this poor man. Yeah, and she also supposedly knew him, and there was people that could place her. Yeah, the doorman. No, yeah, and there wasn't even a note in evidence, plus the guy was only in his boxers, and I don't think you break into a home wearing just your boxers. <laughs> just boxers. He was also shot execution style. That's true. I don't think you shoot burglars execution style. No. Well, I mean, I guess you could have taken the clothes off, in mm-hmm. theory, if he was breaking in. But why only leave the boxers on? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah. So, third theory is that Dorian hid the body because she was protecting whoever actually did kill Worley. Uh-huh. Dorian had actually moved 10 blocks over to a different apartment in Harlem in the 80s. And the place that she moved into, where the body was found, was the apartment of someone she actually knew. And it's speculated that they left her a little present in the closet, known as a partially decomposed dead body mummy. What? I don't buy that one either. So she moved. She moved and finds a mummy in the closet and can't call the cops because she's a black woman and they'll be like, oh, you fucking did that and arrest her ass. And I'm not sure which would be wilder Mm -hmm. if she moved into a house and there Mm -hmm. was a dead body or... She packed up the dead body and moved it to, to the, the house. house. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't really know. One of those two things had to have happened because yeah. she moved. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. But there's also no way to tell if the body is one year old or 25 years old dead. You have no fucking clue. Yeah. So now we have her deathbed confession. Oh, I didn't know about this. She spoke to her good friend Sally a few days before her death. Of Sally's hideout? Yes. Oh! Mm-hmm. That's fun. And she told Sally that she had a big secret and that <gasps> she had killed someone. No! Sally's the only person she said this to. Deathbed confession? Yeah. Oh. And there's literally nothing about Orly that you can find. Like, Wow. Yeah, like police there's a record of him going to prison yeah that's basically it that's it like there's nothing else that's insane yeah like he was off the grid completely 
I love the thought that she was packing up to move and mm-hmm. was like, I can't leave this here. Yeah. I guess I'll just pack it up and take it with me. Or she <laughs> murdered the body after she murdered the guy after she moved. And she was like, fuck, I got to do something with this body. <laughs> I guess I'm just going to throw him in the closet. <laughs> with everything else that I forget about. Yeah. It'll be fine. Oh my God. Uh-huh. That was great. I know. Isn't that wild? That was a great birthday present. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, man. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I love that she's in Paris is Burning. Yeah. And I've never seen it. So. You would fucking love that shit. I'm so sure would Dustin. Would. Dustin would like it, too. <laughs> oh, we'll have to add it to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I do have fun facts for you. <gasps> you got fun facts? I do. <gasps> also, okay. we should discuss the best drag queens. Or not the best, but our favorites. Yes. Mine is Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> Because she is a fucking queen. Yeah. Uh, and I love Alaska. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn Heights. Alyssa Edwards. Shangela. Oh my God, Shangela. Ooh, and Vanilla Creme. Um, you know, I forgot about... Um... Trixie's a good one, too. I love Trixie. Trixie's good. I was thinking about this the other day. Um... Violet Chachki? No. We had talked about Bob the Drag Queen. Bob's amazing. Jinx Monsoon. Oh, Jinx is so funny and, and she's sweet. she's in these commercials. Didn't mm-hmm. she, like, she, the first season she was on, she had, like, narcolepsy. And yes. Then the next and she season, would just fall asleep. But then the next season she was on, she didn't. At least it was never mentioned. Maybe she got medicated for it? I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. It's very but odd. she's fun. And um, the chick that was in the same season as Bianca, is it Alana? She was young. Adore. Adore, Adore yes. Delano. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love her too. Yeah, she was going, party. Party. <laughs> yep, that one. Her response to everything was party. Party. <laughs> party. Oh my goodness. All right, let's hear these fun facts. Oh, and you have to listen to RuPaul's Christmas album. Yes. I didn't even know that was a thing. And uh, Trix- I'm not surprised. Trixie has a song too. It's called um, All I Want for Christmas is Nudes. <laughs> yes. Love it so much. So our fun facts today are about the lovely Sagittarius. <gasps> oh, yeah. how sweet! Tell me all about me, all about you. <laughs> so first one is that Sagittariuses they love exploring and are always up for an adventure. That's true. It's true. That checks out. Uh, I only put the ones on here though that remind me of you. The other <laughs> ones I just left off. Okay. Okay. Uh, two, they can be impulsive or impatient at times. I mean, yeah. Get to the point. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they are creative and philosophical. Ah. You do love being philosophical sometimes. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they can take some time to commit to you, but once they do, they're locked in forever. Oh. AKA me and Dustin. <laughs> I am very loyal mm-hmm. to a fault. To a fault. Unfortunately. I'm working on it, though. I've quit several jobs. Yeah. In the past year or so. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> I'm working on my commitment. Fuck corporate. <laughs> my my overcommitting to mm-hmm. things. The symbol for a Sagittarius is a centaur holding a bow and an arrow. Yes, Ooh. the archer. Sagittarius is a Latin word that directly translates to the archer. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's fun. Yeah, I didn't actually know that. I thought that was cool. Surprisingly enough. Oh, well, thanks for that. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Happy Sagittarius season. <laughs> uh, don't go too crazy. Yeah. 
Otherwise, you'll end up um, like me. Thanks, Charlotte. <laughs> a flight risk. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, I have to go. I promised her I would spend the day with her. Although it's raining. Aww. I know. Which makes me not want to leave the house. It's big raining. It's, it's been raining for like four hours. It's disgusting. It's supposed <laughs> to rain all day. And then I have family dinner. My parents are coming over to Kayla's parents' house. And everyone's going to meet. I'm exhausted for you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I have the tism. Just a little pinch of the tism. <laughs> I think we both do. Just a little sprinkle. That's well, why that's my, why we are the way that we are. My dad probably also has a sprinkle of it because <laughs> we're very similar. Yeah. Uh, but he don't believe in that kind of stuff. Oh. And then Kayla's dad also sprinkle of the tism. <laughs> so we're just going to watch them tism it out. <laughs> oh, that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I'm going to miss it. Um, the work Christmas party is tonight. Oh, yeah. So you had your you have your work Christmas party mm-hmm. at Hall's. Actually, no, it's not at all. Oh, where's it at now? Um, they changed it. Well, so we all live out here. Mm-hmm. They changed it to California Dreamin'. Okay. But that's a long drive, and yeah. it's raining. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> um, ours was I'm at so... Stars and Strikes. Uh, which, I wanted to go there. Which is the bowling alley, if you guys didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I love the bowling alley. We love and it. the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can drink. And shitty food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that great. No, it's not very no. good. Um, but I like winning the little tiny... They have, like, little tiny prizes that mm-hmm. you can get for, yeah. like, five tickets. <laughs> I just collect them in my purse. <laughs> They're my purse. That's her emotional support items. They are. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and thanks for hanging out. And before you go. Oh, God, duh. Follow us on Instagram <laughs> at hashtag murderpod. And on there, we earlier in the episode, we talked about Talia and Scarlet's dream. We did an episode on her. So if you want to listen to that, we also talk about uh, their Instagram page. So you can go follow them as well. And oh, get updates yeah, yeah. on the case and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and if oh, you like this, give us five stars. We really appreciate it. We do. Um, and we have a Patreon. No new hash browns. We had hash browns earlier. We did. Well, you well, did. Bow browns. I had bowberry biscuit. <laughs> I bet you know who would love a Bowberry biscuit? George W. Bush. <laughs> You've already said I that. <laughs> I want to have, I want to have a Bowberry biscuit with George W. Bush. <laughs> oh, he'd love it. Oh my goodness. Um, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging out. Love, love you. Bye. Check your closets for dead bodies. Bye. 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 Be fun. Have safe. Be fun. Have safe. <laughs> As Raylan would like to say. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. Can I just walk? I've got legs. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Testing. Test. This is George W. coming at you live. And we're testing. From a lesbian's closet. (laughs)
she actually started as a window dresser at Hen Hengers. Hengerers? Mm, where is it? Hunter. Hengerers? Hengerers? Weird. Uh, and Dorian's most famously known for her feature in Wigstock in Paris. What? Wigstock? Oh, Bobby. Man. <laughs> Clash of the... Uh, Raynell. You're welcome. And we are doing the podcast. You're on it. the mic picked that up that was funny okay all right see y'all later lois she's like i'm too tiny yo one of you straights open this bag oh gunfire it it's gu ah gunfire at okay corral and kept on moving on with the interview wait what'd she say the uh 